You are listening to content from Christ Our Hope Anglican Church in Fort Collins, Colorado. For more information, you can find us on the web at ChristOurHopeAnglican.org. And now, here's today's message. Names are significant things. Like most parents, when Liz and I were expecting our children, we spent a lot of time struggling to find just the right names. When I was a kid and my baby brother and sister were being born, we would get books of names and you'd flip through them and you'd look through all the meanings and now there's the internet and so you can scan through pages upon pages of explanations for what names mean and their origins and we thought through family members that we might like to honor and we thought deep and long and hard about the names that we would like to give to our daughters. And in both cases, After a lot of work, before the day of birth, we had narrowed things down to just a couple of choices, maybe leaning more strongly in one direction than the other, but not quite certain as to what their name was. And for each of our daughters, when we actually saw them for the first time, we held them in our hands and looked upon their faces, Liz and I had a sense together of this is their name. Not really the one we had been expecting coming in, but we both agreed this is the name that belongs to Rebecca. This is the name that belongs to Annalise. And we have been pleased with those names that we have chosen. And it is something that we put a lot of significance in as a culture and as people. What is your name? In the Bible, the names that were chosen for people often also were laden with meaning. They would tell something of the character of the person. They would tell something of their family history and their family story. They would tell something of God's redemptive work that was being done in them. And so whenever whenever Israel proclaimed that they served the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, they remembered that Abraham had been given his name by God, where his name had been Abram, which means exalted father. And God had said, you will be the father of many nations. And so he gave him the name Abraham, which means father of many nations. And they remember the story of Sarah, who laughed when she heard that God was still going to give her a son in her old age. And then God, they named that son Isaac, which means he laughs. She was given laughter in more way than one. And then there, of course, is the story of Jacob, who was born along with his twin brother Esau, and he came out grasping his brother's heel. And so he was named one who grasps the heel, which is also a Hebrew idiom for cheating. And Jacob was a cheater, the consummate trickster, always trying to figure out a way to get ahead, to steal his brother's birthright, to to pull one over on Laban, to get a little bit more than he was supposed to get. All the way up into the point where he wrestled with God throughout the night. And then his name was changed from Jacob into Israel, one who struggles with God. And it was a name that all of the Israelites bore from that point forward. They were one who struggles with God. 
And of course, there are other stories of names of great significance in the Bible. Some of them are really kind of funny. Some of them you wonder how people felt about being given that name. There were times where the prophet Isaiah was told to name his children something that was part of a prophecy, and they were names that were not necessarily something you'd necessarily want to be called every time that somebody referred to you. Um, But still, the names told a story. But no act of naming in the Bible was so significant as when God revealed his own name. I'm sure that most of you are familiar of the story of the burning bush. When Moses, who was a refugee from Egypt, he had seen his people, the Hebrews, being persecuted and wanted to rise up against them. And in his anger, he killed a man and then fled before Pharaoh could could kill him. He was in in the wilderness as a shepherd, and he came upon a bush that was burning but not consumed. He was curious, and he approached it. And he heard a voice that said, take off your shoes, because the place where you are standing is holy ground. And he heard a voice telling him, I am the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, and I have heard my people's cries. And I am going to send you to tell Pharaoh, the one from whom you're fleeing, to let my people go so that they can worship me. And Moses, in response, said, What shall I tell? Who shall I tell them has sent me? Who are you? And of course, God responded to him and said, I am who I am. Tell them that I am has sent you. Tell them that Yahweh, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, is the one who has sent you. It is in my name that you will do great things. It is in my name that you will free my people. upon books have been written about what it means when God said to to Moses, I am who I am. The translation's not super clear the way that Hebrew is written. It could be I am who I am. It could be I am who I was. It could be I am who I will be or I will be who I am. It could be a variety of things. But at the heart of it, God is revealing his self-sufficiency, the fact that there is none before him, there is none after them. He is eternal from beginning to end, and everything that he says is perfectly consistent with who he is. If you know the name of God, if you know the true name of God, you understand his character, his decrees, his laws. You understand that he is the one who will save his people because he is the one who does that which he wishes to do. And none can stop him. The name of God reveals who he is, more so than any name that we can give our children because we're all imperfect. None of us quite lives up to our name. But God is perfect, with perfect integrity. Anything who he says he is, anything he proclaims himself to be, he does. And it is not the only instance in the Bible, that moment at the burning bush, where God names himself. Another time happened in our reading in Exodus today. 
This is after Moses had been given the Ten Commandments. He had come down off of the mountain and found the people worshiping a golden calf. In his anger, he had broken the tablets that God had written for him. And God said, come with me back up to the mountain, and I will give you another set of tablets. And I will proclaim my name to you. And I will allow you to see me. You can see my back. You can't see my face, because then you would surely die. But you can see my back, and you can hear me say my own name. So Moses went up onto the mountain, and he got behind the rock, and he listened for God to say his name. It's in Exodus chapter 34 that God says his name. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed. And, and here it is important. If you're reading in your Bible and reading along with this, um, in um, in almost any translation that you use, it will have the word Lord in all capital letters in this instance. And whenever you see the word Lord in all capital letters in one of the translations of the Bible that we use, it is actually the name of God. Usually in these days we pronounce it Yahweh. The tetragrammaton, the, the Y-H-W-H, um, the the name of God that was given, that was revealed there at the burning bush when he said Yahweh. It's derived from that I am. It was a reminder of who he is, and it is a name that always implies his salvation, that he is a God who saves. And so Yahweh passed before him and proclaimed, Yahweh, Yahweh, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation." And when God is proclaiming his name, it's not only the first part where he says Yahweh, that he's giving his name. All of this description that follows about God's character and what he does is really part of his name. Because to know fully and truly the name of God is to know who he is. And so if you know the true name of God, you need to know that he is a God who is merciful and gracious was something the Israelites needed to hear in that moment as they had recklessly sinned. You need to know that he is slow to anger, that he is abounding in steadfast love, in chesed, in faithfulness, that even as the people of Israel have shown that they are not faithful, even as they have broken the covenant that he had just established with them, he will maintain the covenant because that is who he is. That is in his very nature as God. That he forgives iniquity and transgression and sin but not in a way that he just ignores it. 
He's full of forgiveness, but he also by no means clears the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. This is all part of God, who God is. This is all part of his character. God is revealing more and more of his name to Moses, more and more of his name to the people of Israel, that they may understand him and know him more fully. In many cultures, to know someone's true name, to know the entire name, would be to have power over them. Even in the Egyptian culture from which the Israelites had just come, there were legends of gods tricking other gods into giving them their true name so that then they could exert power and get what they wanted over them. And there is nothing like that uh, that goes along with when God reveals his name. There's no hint that knowing his name gives you some power that you can evoke and now he's at your beck and call and does what you want. What happens is the more and more that you know of God's name, the more you realize how small you are how big he is, how good he is, how merciful he is. To know his name is just to fall down and worship because you understand the true nature and character of God, which is why our psalm from today, Psalm 8, is able to say, again, the translation here is actually the translation of Lord. It's able to say, O Yahweh, our governor, or, if, O Yahweh our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Everything that I look at, all of created order, reveals something of the name of God. Because all of it is the working out of His power as Creator. So if I look at the mountains, I know something more of the name of God. If I pay close attention to the feathers on a bird or the veins on a leaf. I know something more of the name of God. I can have a sense of wonder and awe at the God who is able to create galaxies and things far beyond my imagination and able to create tiny things that I can't even see. You've set your glory above the heavens. And out of the mouths of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. Part of knowing the name of God, understanding who he is and his relationship to people will always point to his redemptive purposes, that he has been working through all that he has done to save us. The whole story that is given to us in the Bible that is revealed about who God is is really about his saving character. This is the story of how we are saved from beginning to end. We are created and we are loved and we are saved. And to know the name of God is to know that with certainty. Which is why it is so significant that the name that is given to the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, is Jesus, which one of the ways you could translate that would be to mean Yahweh is salvation. Most of us know the Apostle John and the fact that he wrote in his letter that God is love. But you also need to know if you want to fully understand who God is, that Yahweh is salvation. Salvation comes from Him and Him alone. 
salvation comes through Jesus. And of course, because Jesus, as the second person of the Trinity, has the same sort of integrity that God the Father has. Everything he does, everything in his life, reveals and points to his name. To know the name of Jesus is not just to know a word. It is to study his life and his character and to see how from beginning to end we can look at the life of Jesus and know that Yahweh is salvation. In the fact that he came and took on flesh, that he was born and shared our humanity. We understand in a deeper way than we ever could have known before that moment that Yahweh is salvation. In the way that he lived, walking among those who had no hope, touching those who were cut off from their community, restoring to cleanness those who were unclean, going to the desperate and releasing the burdens that have been placed upon them, we know that Yahweh is salvation. Above all, in the fact that he went to the cross, that the eternal creator of the universe shed his blood for us, that no sacrifice was too great for God to work through his purposes for his people. We know that Yahweh is salvation. He humbled himself in his life and in his death. So in the end, the Father exalted him. There's the beautiful hymn in Philippians chapter 2 that speaks of Christ's humility. And it says that, Have this mind among yourselves, which is from yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And through this, this is not in Philippians, but again, we know that Yahweh is salvation, that he has saved us through this, but also, therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Because if you want to know that Yahweh is salvation, you can't only know him in his weakness. You can't only know him in his death. You need to know him in his glory as well, in his triumph over death and sin and hell, over his triumph over flesh and the devil. 
And you need to look at Jesus and in his exalted state where we look upon him, where Jesus is exalted now, we know that Yahweh is salvation, that his power is great, that the purpose that he has had from the beginning of time and always been working out is complete and fulfilled in this one man, the Son of God. And so when we hear the name of Jesus, when we see the life of Jesus and we understand that in his whole life is revealing who he is, he's revealing his name, we come face to face with the fact that Yahweh is salvation and no other is. There is no other way to be saved except by Jesus because this is how God has worked out his purposes. And as we look upon the exalted Christ and we understand that he has been given the name that is above all names, as we contemplate his life and his death and his resurrection, we as the people of God must respond in worship to lift up his name, to give him glory and praise. The creation of the world, as magnificent as it is, as much as it is a place where we can find a great sense of wonder and joy, does not so clearly reveal who God is as Jesus, the one who came and was born as a child, who lived and died and was raised again. And just as we can feel awe at a sunrise or a sunset or the Colorado mountains, we should feel awe at what God has done in Jesus. And we should worship with all of our hearts, all of our minds, all of our souls. We are still in this Christmas season. We are still contemplating the wonder of the incarnation. Don't let it pass you by. Don't let your mind be inured to the, the glory and majesty of what is by your familiarity. Remember what it is that Yahweh is salvation and that is revealed to us in Jesus Christ. And it should cause a response in our life as well. In our New Testament passage from the book of Romans, as Paul is introducing himself to the Romans and his purpose... And he has the best introductions. I always want to write letters like that. And then I always feel like it would be a little bit too pretentious for me to start my letter like Paul. <laughs> but he says about Jesus, he was descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations, including to you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. Because as great and wonderful as the name of Jesus is, there is something that is really amazing. He's given us that name to bear. Even as we are called Christians, we carry the name of Christ with us. And as I said, the whole activity of God reveals his name. And in this world, there are many who do not look to this and trust this book as the activity of God. 
But what they will look to is your life. And they will ask, who is Jesus based on what you do? Based on the way that you love your neighbor or don't? Based on the way that you love your spouse and your children? Based on the way that you order your life? based on what you do with your money and your time, based on what you say and what you read and what you watch. There are people who notice, who look at you, and they say, in you, you bear the name of Jesus. And what you do reveals who he is. I have sometimes wondered at the way that angels look upon the purposes and plans of God, what they think about his redemptive purposes. Certainly they trust him and they give praise and thanks for what he has done. They worship him in his glory. But do they ever have a moment where they, they say, I, I didn't understand how you could come to earth as a human being. And I don't understand how you could allow these people to carry your name. Certainly I look at it, and sometimes I cannot understand why the nation of Israel was able to carry the name of Yahweh, why we are able to carry the name of Jesus. But God has trusted this to us. And of course, we will not live perfectly. But when we fail to live up to his name, we can remember that Yahweh, Yahweh, is a God who is merciful, who forgives our iniquities, who is filled with loving kindness and faithfulness. We can remember that Yahweh is salvation, given to us in Jesus. We can repent and structure our lives again around this magnificent truth that the name of Jesus is the name above all names. That he is the one who is worthy of all glory and honor and praise. That he is the one who reveals to us most clearly who God is. that he is our salvation. So let us continue in worship as we honor the name above all names. As we give thanks and praise, we have awe and wonder at the God who saves. Amen. This sermon is an audio ministry from Christ Our Hope Anglican Church in Fort Collins, Colorado. If you are in the area and would like to learn more about how you can worship with us in person or online, please visit us on the web at www.christourhopeanglican.org.